It's the Questions Hip Hop Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Kantrowitz, and this week's episode is a classic from the archives. It was voted on by the members of the Questions Patreon. You guys and gals decided on it, and so here we are. It's episode number 41 with Peter Rosenberg. This originally aired on Instagram Live on June 22nd, 2020. I mean, you want to talk about hip-hop podcasts, you really can't do so without mentioning Peter Rosenberg and his hip-hop podcast, Juan Epstein, or as it's now called, Juan Ep is Life. He co-hosts it with Cypher Sounds, another former guest of the show, and I think between Juan Ep and Sean Sotero's The Cypher Podcast, Sean is also a former guest, yeah, these are the shows that kind of laid the blueprint, at least for me, as you know, how a podcast centered around hip-hop should be. It's kind of crazy to even think that all three of those guys who totally set the bar for this whole hip-hop podcasting thing, in my mind, have been on the questions. So major respect to Rosenberg, Cypher Sounds, and Sean. Outside of One Ep, if you're a hip-hop fan, you also probably know Rosenberg from his day job as an on-air personality for New York's Hot 97 radio station. Over the years, he's also broadened his broadcasting reach as an anchor for both ESPN and WWE. And since the time of this classic episode's recording, uh, Rosenberg's also released his own compilation album called Real Late, which he dropped in 2021. The conversation in this episode is so quintessentially pandemic era 2020 which you hear from the opening as we talk about how, you know, we were holding up a few months into this worldwide lockdown. We also talk about Kanye, which, you know, as unhinged as that man might have seemed like in 2020. And let's be clear, that was pretty damn unhinged. Things have uh, taken quite a turn at this point, haven't they? I'm not going to get into that now. But anyway, beyond all that, Peter Rosenberg, great guest, I'm a big fan of a lot of his work, and I think you all will enjoy this one too. Before we hop into it, let me take care of a little business. Up top, shout out to everybody who submitted their brackets for the best posse cut tournament. Be on the lookout for us to start the public voting on that, I think either by the end of this month or if not, early November. A big shout out to the questions Patreon. Those numbers are growing. They're still not quite at the number that I'd like them to be, but I'm very appreciative to everybody who's been riding and joining up so far. And if you are a fan of this podcast and you want to support what I do with this show and also receive some great extra stuff for just five bucks a month, I'm talking exclusive clips that only live on the Patreon, early access to episodes, playlists, conversations, and much more. Your support is greatly, greatly appreciated. And you can find a link to join the Patreon in the show notes or by going to patreon.com slash thequestionshiphop. Another thing that you can do to help this show is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star rating plus a review on Apple Podcasts. It's quick, it's free, and it helps the show continue to get seen and noticed. We recently broke into the top 50 in music interview podcasts on the podcast charts, which is pretty damn cool, so let's keep the momentum going. All right, without further ado, we're going to hop into this classic episode of The Questions Hip Hop with special guest Peter Rosenberg. Here we go. Who did it first? Who did it best? Who did it worst? That's the question. Who rapping there? That remix and what happened when? That's the question. No, I'm not a total, I'm not like a total disaster. I, I've, I've figured out, but I, I did get caught up on Instagram ordering like an awesome, what appeared to be an amazing face clipper, yeah, like a beard trimmer. Yeah. And it literally was like the classic Instagram fail, worked for like eight seconds and stopped working. But I'm, I'm managing. 
<laughs> I've become a real mark for any kind of targeted advertising online. I used to feel like I was very discerning about it. And now every time I go onto Instagram or Facebook, I'm always just like, I absolutely need this, pro this product that I'm fully aware of is in no way going to be nearly as good as what they're promising. But I, I have to like grab my hand with the other hand and not order it. I've seen so many grooming things, uh, a lot of things to remove earwax. I'm obsessed Ooh, with I'm not, If I saw one of those, I, I might fall for it. The other day I saw one that was a back straightener. Get your, po like a, a get your posture right joint. Yeah, I need it. We all need it. We're all hunched over I'm our terrible. phones and laptops. Look how different I just got in one second. I, I never look like that. Yeah. All I'm you awesome. have to do is just, you don't need the product. You can just talk about the uh, existence of said product, and then you'll, you'll adjust. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, Peter, we're so thrilled to have you. Uh, it's not lost to me as well. We really appreciate you being on here, considering you basically talk all day for a living. So just the idea for you to do this at the end of your day, we appreciate that. We're, we're really appreciative of it. Um, how is, uh, I mean, are, are you broadcasting in your various places uh, from home now? Or, or what, what's your life like? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I do my ESPN show in here. The, that's like the tripod camera light thing. Nice. Like the backdrop thing that I use. Yep, yep. Um, it's like blocking my turntables. All like my childhood is blocked by this ad adulthood. I feel um, like there's some sort of symbolism there, maybe. I know. I, I don't read it. And then in the other room, I just because I, I was doing it all in the same place and it made me miserable. So now I do Hot 97 um, in the living room where I don't need I, I, I don't need a camera or anything. You know, we just do Zoom. So I, I set yeah. that up in the living room. And yeah, I've been really fortunate. You know, there have been some like slight um financial things at work that i we've had to deal with at our jobs but nothing like we, we've been relatively unscathed considering just how many people have taken such huge l's so um very very fortunate to be working and um yeah, yeah it's been cool and I would imagine, too, for somebody who works a morning show, there has to be a bit of a silver lining that you now don't have to leave your house to do the morning show. Like It's, it, it's, it's become less than a bit. It's really nice. <laughs> that part's really nice. Like, and I'm notoriously, I'm not a morning person, yeah. even though I've been doing mornings for uh, like uh, over a decade now. Sure. I'm not a morning person. I'm, I'm always running late. So this is much better for me. I mean, it might be a situation where when things open back up, you might just be like, hey, guys, I'm straight. Like, <laughs> No, this is cool. Like, this is Well, listen, the fact of the matter is, if you're in broadcast and you found a way to work through this, there's no way moving forward in the future it's not going to be at least slightly more acceptable to work from home. It's just, it's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, and we all have to come to terms with that. Uh, I mean, in, in all forms, like I, I had a doctor's appointment where I knew that, like, I've had an appointment with this doctor before and it's just to get a prescription filled and they always make me go in. I have to go in, wait to be seen, barely even interact with the physician and then just get the refill. Yep. During, during this, these circumstances, I basically was able to just call them and I was like, you can't, you can't put the genie back in the bottle now. Like, no. like we know that this works. You're, you, you, so I don't know. It's, yeah, it's funny how rules. It's funny how rules that were so difficult to change all get very uh, easy to change when you have to. All of a sudden, absolutely. Um, so, uh, you are definitely the type of person that you know we created a show like this for. So we're really thrilled to have you. Uh, I think we should just hop right into it. Are you ready to do some hip hop trivia? Absolutely. I'm. Well, yeah, I'm as ready as I'm going to be. I'm nervous about this. I, I don't. I don't. I. 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 I I have this I have this real fear in my life that as I've gone on to do all the things I love professionally, it's like a real amazing blessing, but I also feel whacker at all of those things. <laughs> like you yeah. end up being so caught up in the professional you, you just sell out. Ultimately, you're just like I do real late, I'm dialed in, I do the job I'm supposed to do, I make sure I'm playing new music, but like I do feel a little bit like the 21 year old me doing college radio who would smoke this whole game. I feel like he's a little nervous right now for 40 year old uh, professional me. But listen, I saw Rhett Maddock get shit wrong. So after that, I was like, who gives a fuck? Rhett Maddock got stuff wrong. Nobody has ever scored perfectly. Um, uh, and Fonte had... was very close. Fonte was very close. 
I have somebody that I'm not able to announce yet that has expressed interest and we're working on a date, but this is a person who I would assume would have no fear and is in the DMs making sure, saying something very similar that other people have said, like, so, like, you're not going to make me look bad. Like, you know, I just want to, like, it's like, we're not in the business to make people look bad. We're, we're here to tell some good stories and get into it. So, no, I, I really love, I really love the format. Um, I, seriously, like, the game's cool. The game, the questions are good. They're much more thoughtful than the questions I do for my, no, actually, my questions are good for my trivia show on the radio. I just am a shitty host who doesn't put in enough work. But like the, this whole format's really good. Like it's just an enjoyable, it's an enjoyable watch. Thank you. I totally didn't talk there because I wanted to clean, uh, a, you know, a clean soundbite from you there. So we're gonna use that and just probably. Well, hold, hold, I'll give you a better one. Sure. I don't know. The question's hip hop trivia. It's just like the ultimate perfect hip hop game show. No one could do a better show than this. There you go. Yeah. Man. Appreciate that. All right. So uh, if you guys have questions for uh, Rosenberg, if we have some time at the end, uh, we can get into it. So drop him that little question box there at the bottom. Uh, we're going to get into our first round. Peter Rosenberg, the first round is called The Choice is Yours. This is general multiple choice. And remember, if you don't know the answer, you could always go to the chat. Our chat knows a thing or two. But we do have, we've had some guests who refuse the chat. They, they don't want to uh, use the chat whatsoever. So it's totally on you. Um, we're going into refuse schmooze. Yeah, that's what I always say. Okay. All right. First, first question. This rapper frequently featured a spoken word performance by his own father on the closing songs on albums in his discography. Is it Kanye West, Ice Cube, Common, or Tupac? Uh, Common. He says Common. My main man, my son. Common and Common is correct. Off to a good start so far. Well, that was that was wheelhouse. You went you went straight wheelhouse college radio days, Rosenberg. I it was funny. Someone I saw in the in the when I retweeted this, someone was like, um, "Don't ask him Kendrick Lamar questions." And I'm like, just because I'm a notorious Kendrick Lamar dick rider doesn't mean that's my wheelhouse because I wouldn't do that well. Like, I it's 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 I it has to be of the era that I was a fanboy. Like sure. Kendrick, I love Kendrick. I help push Kendrick, but I'm not a fanboy. I just there's no way you could be as immersed in his music at this stage or in the last you know whatever five years of your life as you would when you were a college DJ or just absorbing everything like a sponge, right? Yeah, it's a funny thing that people think I'm like the world's biggest Kendrick fan, and it's like I think Kendrick's success was very very important, and I worked as hard as I could to push that idea forward. And I listened to a lot of Kendrick, but I mean, I didn't like, you know, fucking host a show for them and then get in the car and just turn it like, I mean, I mean, you, you grow a little bit. You got to like, but th th I like starting with Common. That's a good place for me. What's your favorite Common album? So I was a really huge fan of Can I Borrow a Dollar, which wow, I know you don't, okay. you don't hear every day. Um, I, Resurrection Common was like an adjustment for me because I loved Can I Borrow a Dollar Common so sure. much. Um, looking back, honestly, I think he has one of the most underrated catalogs in the history of the genre. I, I really, I think B is incredible. Like Water for Chocolates, obviously phenomenal. Um, yeah. Finding Forever is wildly underrated. Like, yeah. I love Common's, like, first six albums, minus Electric Circus, which is whatever. I haven't spent that much time on it. Sure. Uh, even, I think the... Uh, it's not his most recent one. It's his last one. Uh, Black America, again, kind of... The, the thing that hurt that album was that it came out, and then a week later, the Tripod Quest album came out. So, like, yeah. it, it was... I, I don't know if it would have gotten as much attention anyway, but for that, like, section, because it was kind of like a return of, like, to, like, the Like Water for Chocolate era, it was... It, it felt very, like, Soul Quarity and, like, a bunch of people who might have been fixated on that immediately, like, they're trying. Right, you're not going to, you know, that's a really good point. But Common also got to a, a place that, you know, um, I had, I, I do an interview show on Complex, and I had John Legend the other day, and I was like, how do you, what, what's your mentality for making music when you're completely famous now independently of music? Like, it, right. you don't have to, Common doesn't have to do albums. He just does them to do them. So right. it's such a different way of having a career versus like every time you drop, this is what you're, this is, this is where you're building. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. It, nobody's getting paid off music these days um, or very few. All right, we're going to move on to our next question. This one, 
Strikes a little close to home for you, Mr. Rosenberg. Which of these rappers does not hail from the state of Maryland? Is it Edon, Kid Cudi, Logic, or Odyssey? Oh, that would be Kid Cudi. He says Kid Cudi. And Kid Cudi is correct. Um, how often do you go back? Like, are you are you still, like, sort of connected to the DMV in general? I mean, obviously, you, you, I'm sure you've spent more of your adult life at this point in New York than, than back home, right? Yeah, I spend a lot more time here, but I, I'm going home on uh, Wednesday or Thursday for the first time in a, in a long time since this sure. all happened. Um, but my family's still there. So, you know, I spend a good amount of time there, and um, a lot of the artists – you know who I'm cool with from there. I'm still close with um, Odyssey. I'm Odyssey, and I have always stayed close. Um, yeah. You know, uh, but so yeah, it's it's weird. I call it home. It's like, hey, I'm going home. Right. But really, when I come back here is when I'm going home. You're so, going to your you're going to your folks' house when you, when you go that, to it, it's it's a it's a it's a weird mix in that regard. Like now, it's the one place. You know, I, if I, sp I could easily move there for a year and I'm sure it would feel like home again. But yeah. at this point, when you don't have your own place to go and you're a grown ass adult, it just it's it's not home in the same way. And D.C. changed so much in the years I've been gone. Like yeah. it has socially changed like the places people go. It is a completely different town than when I left. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit hard to like just jump right back in and feel like it's it's still the same. Yeah, totally. Uh, a lot, a lot has changed in DC. Even beyond uh, the, the president and the White oh, House. Oh yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of a different, different dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, we're gonna get into politics later. Not right now. All right, the first question, or the third question, rather, in this round. Uh, Jay Z loves a good collaboration. How many collaborative projects has he officially released in his career? Is the answer two, three, four, or five? Um, one, Watch the Throne. Mm. Two, R. Kelly's. Okay. One, Beyonce. Um, I don't think there's another one. Now, I guess you could be iffy because the R. Kelly, the second R. Kelly one got shelved. But it's made. It's available. It's in. It's it's out there. Um, I believe a lot of I different believe, numbers from the chat right now. <laughs> they're, they're, they're oh, oh by the way, but someone just gave me a cheat one. I, I I admit they just gave me one. I forgot. Lincoln Park. So it would be five. He's going with five. And five is absolutely correct. We have both of the best of both worlds albums. That's two. The Jay-Z Lincoln Park mashup collaboration that counts was officially released. Watch the Throne and the Beyonce uh, album. Uh, yeah, five. Great so, job. But by the way, that was perfect that I would have forgotten Lincoln Park. I, I have <laughs> literally never put it on. I It made him a lot of money. It did good things for him. I yeah. literally never in my life listen to it besides the numb encore that was like a, a big hit it was ubiquitous you 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 listened to it but you didn't have a choice in the matter it was just right right I, and by the way i probably go back and like some of it i'm sure it's fine but it, i never give a shit um you did uh the second iteration of juan epstein uh podcast that you and cypher sounds did focused completely on jay-z uh i don't i haven't kept up with since then but are you thinking about revisiting that, like with a, with another subject or artist? Where are you at with the in the Juan Epstein sort of uh, movement? I think that we Sif and I that wasn't our ideal way to do a podcast. Um, you know, I un we understood why it was a good idea to come up with a theme, and we're down to do a theme. We just want it to be more broad. We're like. Yeah. If the, if the theme is a label and every episode we interview different people from the label. That'd be great. Yeah. 90s West Coast. And all we do is 90s West Coast. But like for us, we were, tr we, I think um, we ended up sort of, you know, as my, as the host of my afternoon radio show, Michael K always says, half pregnant. We were a little bit half pregnant. Like we wanted to be this like, you know, 
serious podcast, NPR style, but then right. we still want it to be us. It's a great idea. It sure. just required, I think, a level of production that was a pain in the ass. Um, I do think the product we ended up coming out with was pretty dope. It just was annoying. Like, we got together so many times yeah. for so little content. Um, and we're not used to that. We're used to just be like, hit record. All right, we just did 90 minutes. Uh, it, like, there's, so, there's so many nuggets in there. Yeah, I, I totally get it because it was very comprehensive in a way that I don't feel like there are a lot of precedents for in that space. But as somebody who loved listening to the original, it definitely lacked a little bit of like just the sort of loose casual. It, it was like an NPR like version of Juan Epstein. So I could see why that might be like a little... To, to say nothing of the fact that, like, if you're doing it on one subject, you know, I would hate, like, w w I guess with the danger in doing one all on Nas is eventually, like, interviewing Nas's barber for, like, episode, like, 11. Well, like, I mean, I here's the thing, though. Access. Here's the thing about that. And by the way, It's the Real just pointed out that my nephew's here. So, hey, Alex. My hey, nephew, shout Alex. out to the nephews. Um, so, uh, the, here's the one thing, though. The, the irony is we did it with Mass Appeal. Yeah. So in theory, doing a Nas podcast should have been like, let us get Nas for like eight hours. Right. Like, let's yeah. do a, the biggest Nas thing ever. It didn't seem like that was going to happen. So when we talked about all the different things to do, I just sort of blurted out to Saif. I was like, are we overthinking it? Should it just be Jay-Z? Like, and then, yeah. of course, the timing didn't turn out great because – Jay-Z then had the NFL thing happen mm. and people were actually angry and disinterested in Jay-Z, which in the long run is so perfect <laughs> about the Jay-Z story. Yeah, the, the how, entire Jay-Z But yeah. a little frustrating at the time. Nas might have been easier, but you know, there was merit in picking one of the most private, hard to access artists in the genre as well. So Exactly. <laughs> All well, right, and you also feel bad. We already did our interview with them. We knew we wouldn't get another one. And yeah. we could sort of rest on the fact that we have one. Yes. But honestly, was the, the, what we did was great. Is it better than the one 90-minute thing we did with Hove? Like, I don't know if it's better than that. That's, it's a that's different a thing. Different experience, different. for sure. All right, we're moving on to the last question in this round. And uh, this is another one that is kind of in your wheelhouse, maybe. Which of these artists did not perform at Hot 97's inaugural Summer Jam in 1994? Was it Arrested Development? Diggable Planets, Gangstar, or the man who we were just speaking about, Nas, who did not perform at Summer Jam 94? I'm not 100% sure, but I'm not going to look to anyone else because that's whack on this subject. I'm going right. to go with B, Diggable Planets. He's going D, big, Diggable Planets. B, B, Diggable Planets. B. And he is correct. Diggable Planets was not on the bill at the original Summer Jam. What was the first Summer Jam that you attended? Uh, the first summer jam I attended was the first one that I worked, which was 2007. Um, it was my first day of work ever. Oh, I, had wow. ne I had never worked for Hot, and they just kind of told me to, like, come to the stadium and pick up a credential. And so, like, if you can imagine a 27-year-old a, a whose, like, entire life dream was to make it there. <laughs> it's been leading up to that moment. And then it was like, hey, come to the stadium of this fabled event you've heard about your whole life and, like, read about in magazines. And then they just gave me a mic uh, with a mic flag that said Hot 97. It was like, you work here now? I was like, wow. uh, okay. And I just went out and started interviewing people. It's, it's on YouTube. If you type in my name in Summer Jam 2007, you can watch my very awkward first day. Uh who out of all of them i mean i know that there are some more memorable like uh summer jam moments attached to your name but what is like your personal favorite like performance or memory of all the summer jams that you've been to is there one that sticks out in your head and kind of holds a special place in your heart um man it's always like every summer jam for me uh, for for the first very many years was just sort of like this celebration with my family like that I was there. That's always how I felt about it. It was a yeah. yearly sort of reminder that like I'm actually fucking here. And right. like I, I get my family tickets and, and they get to go and and then I like I'm actually working. So like 
those first like you know the first five or six were really really special only in the last few years did i realize that i'm like ah, summer jam long day I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. and um and i and i got to a point where when you've been doing mornings for so long it early on it was like my time to shine i would like i'd host the festival stage and right. when i get on the main stage i'd want to get as much time as i can and when you do a morning show for a long time, so much of a station is built around the morning show that right. to me at this point to show up and still act like it's my time would be being such a gluttonous dick sure. that I sort of just, I just sort fall of chill out and yeah, fall yeah, back yeah. a little bit and try to like, there's so many mix show DJs and, and people who like, it's their opportunity to get on stage. So the early years all meant a lot performance wise. Um, Hove Death of Auto-Tune was cool. Um, yeah. you know, um, uh, you know, artists that I love and I'm tight with getting to do it when Gambino did festival, yeah. you know, Gambino did festival stage and that was a big deal at the time. Asher did festival stage was a big deal at the time. Yeah. Introduce, introducing Kendrick at festival stage. Like, you know, there's some, there's some really good ones. There's some really, really cool moments. And when I look back now and think about the people who were there, how many people were together in these random photos and moments? Um, yeah. There's a lot of. I remember the, there's there's a video I have on YouTube somewhere of me and Wale both looking like so different, and we both like just made it to there, right. you know, to, to being there, and like we're both from DC, and so there are a lot of special moments that that resonate. Awesome. All right. So so far unscathed, Peter Rosenberg, uh, flawless in the first round. Moving into our second round, and it is called Picasso, maybe. My least favorite. This is my my. In watching your show, it's my worst category by far. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. It's too late. I can't change it. Everything's programmed. I know. All right. I'm gonna it's focus of, in here. It's out of my hands. Um, all right. Okay. First question. I'm gonna show you a picture, a little snippet of an album cover, and you have to identify what the album is by what I'm showing you. So here's the first one. It's a hand-drawn illustration. There's a boombox on the floor and a body next to it that seems to be leaning up against a wall. What album is this? Is it Reflection Eternal, Train of Thought, Logic, Under Pressure, Anderson Pack, Malibu, or Boogie Down Productions, Sex and Violence? Oh my gosh, that's a good one because I feel like it could be multiple things that you put there. Um, it also has a little bit of the Lyricist Lounge album cover um, look to it. I can see a little bit of that, yeah. Um, my first initial thoughts are train of thought and, and sex and violence. Um, uh, I'll, I'll, go with, I'll go with a train of thought. Let's go in train of thought. And he is absolutely correct. That is... Let me see the whole thing. Ah, the leg. There you go. Yeah, yeah so okay. You, a little bit of a leg, a little little bit of a, of a boom box. You know, you had to do that in the 90s. Uh, Raucous Records it was super important to represent at all times. You were picking up on some <laughs> Lyricist Lounge vibes there. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So far, so good. All right. Uh. All right, let's move on to our second question in this round. It's a drawing or photo of a bunch of flowers, like sunflowers in a valley. There's a grass sort of lawn and a red sky background. Is it Wu-Tang, Killer Bees, The Swarm? Nicki Minaj, Pink Friday, Roman Reloaded? Tyler, The Creator, Flower Boy, or De La Soul, Three Feet High and Rising? It's obviously not Three Feet High. The Wu-Tang never had a cover like that, and Pink Friday, Roman Reloaded, yeah, it's C, Tyler, The Creator, Flower Boy. He knows what he's talking about, folks. It is, in fact, Tyler, The Creator's Flower Boy, yes. What, uh, you know, Tyler, the creator is somebody who's like a relatively newer artist and, and like, you know, you've been in this game for, for a minute, you know, you, you talked about being, you know, in college radio early on, like how much, I'm always curious about this for people who are longtime listeners, how do you discover new music? Now, obviously you're a radio DJ, but I would still imagine that like, you must have a different process between stuff that's given to you sort of professionally to listen to and play. And then like how things actually, you know, kind of submerge themselves in your listening habits. So like, what, what, what is the process now for somebody to really get on your radar and super be into their music? Well, it's, it's, it, this has evolved so much um, 
over the the years it's like totally evolved so you know pre hot 97 i just consumed absolutely everything and there there wasn't that much to consume um i was you know let me let me go back before that when it was vinyl i would go to the record store see every record that came out buy right. the shit that you had to buy listen to stuff listen to mix shows you're a dj sure. you you see other djs they say have you heard this it's a whole community yeah um then when you go to cdjs from that i was getting stuff from labels but i was really paying attention to all the labels i had indie promoters i had all these relationships that were constantly going and a ton of people who i could who i would credit for giving me music some who were sure. annoying and some who were awesome, but all helpful. Yeah. Um, and then by the time I got to Hot, it was a mix of the promoters, but then you had blogs. Right. The blog so, era was crazy. So I would spend my Sundays in the early days of me doing real late. I would go on Now Right and Two Dope Boys and just download everything that looked good. And then upload, zip, 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 share, Z -share. Z -share. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, and then go cleaning, just have to clean everything myself right. and, and play them. And then this is the next era where we're living now is what's difficult. It became impossible. Like right. there's just no such thing. There's no resource. Original. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the last six months, my Sunday night show has sort of had a resurgence um, in terms of me getting more into it because for a long time it was like, I knew what the big new releases were. I knew the stuff that got sent to me. Yeah. The, over the last six months, I started working with someone who's more in touch than I am and having him feed me. And yeah. um, I shout him out a lot. He, he's a great vintage dealer. His name's Mark. His, um, his, his Instagram page is Top Shelf Premium. Okay. And he, he makes his own mixtapes. Like, he was already doing his own mixtapes. He does a freestyle series um, um, that, are, that are dope. And so he, him and I would always work together. He'd help me with my merch. And he was always telling me about artists. And maybe about six months ago, I was like, dude, do you just want to, like, kind of A&R my show and, and help take over getting everything for me right so now basically i have someone who sends me like 10 cleans a week where right. it's like it's, it's curated it's already like hey i think you're gonna like this you know exactly yeah. and I, listen i i'm disgusted with myself that that's what i do but no listen I, it, dr it's, dre dr dre had to get mailman at some point you, you, you're at the <laughs> 2001 era like you know you it's not like you're not involved you're hands-on but you know no no and well and by the way the shit that I'm playing, just know, is the most gutter under... I'm on some shit right now that is fucking fire. Shit that I really was... You know, it's the it's sort of the Griselda-inspired generation sure. of, of which there's a shitload of stuff, like really dope underground artists who I'm fucking with, who yeah. I would not have been put on to without Mark. And yeah. he now... And, and, and now he's, he's figured out how to get... He's able... So it works out for both of us because he's able to forge great relationships with artists. Right. He's able to be like, I'm the link to get them to Rosenberg and I will play shit that's hot. So everybody's and, winning. Everybody's everybody good. wins. Everybody wins. And so I'm proud of the show. And I, I now put it all up. I put all the episodes up on my Mixcloud again, um, Rosenberg Radio on Mixcloud. And Amazing. we're playing a lot of dope shit. So it, it's fun. Awesome. You guys should all check that out for sure. I know I'm going to. All right. Last question in this round. So far, so good, Peter Rosenberg. It's a close-up of the moon with sort of a murky purplish smoke surrounding it. What album cover is this? Is it Raekwon? Oh. Only built for Cuban Links 2. Eminem, the Slim Shady LP. Smoke Perp, Dead Star 2. Or Black Moon, Entered the Stage. I, you feel like it could be multiple things, but the second I saw it, I thought that's an Eminem album, so... You my, had that moment. Yep. My gut says that's Eminem, the Slim Shady LP. Whoa, he is correct. Slim Shady LP. What was the last Eminem record that you truly fucked with? Song or album? I'll give you both. So funny you say that. Ebro just texted me that the, today they leaked the Conway record, the, the a version of the Conway record that they scrapped. 
where oh. he, had, he, he had all these other disses in it. Yeah. I got to tell you, I, I was about to text him back, and then I had, we started doing this. M has really found his pocket again vocally the last year and a half. Yes. Um, so while I did not love the last album, I didn't love in the long run. In the initial moment, I loved it. Sure. In the long run, I really like it. The, the shit that I like on it, I fucking love. Um, it's a little yeah. long. Like, I just think if he shaves that last album down by five songs, I think we're saying M dropped a really classic M project. Yeah. Um, I'm weird, though. I, I went through a period where I really liked Recovery, you know, and I know a lot of people thought Recovery was weird. Okay, yeah. That, that was Not Afraid was, was the single on that one, right? Yeah, uh, it's 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 the one where he was just like talking weird shit about Nick Cannon constantly and ah uh, yes that era, he was yeah. he was in a weird zone but like I always find things I enjoy on M projects but like listen we all know Marshall Mathers LP is an absolute masterpiece um yeah. the first three are classics he has three classics one Very masterpiece strong. yeah yeah. The other ones, to me, all have good shit. The the bad meets evil has shit I love on it. Um, and he but, can rap, except for like, except for I want to say encore, where like I think that was like the peak drug era album, like rapping like insult the triumph or triumph the insult comic dog. Yeah, uh, like he 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 can rap. <laughs> also, shout out to you saying that recovery was the weird one following the album where he primarily rapped in a Scottish accent. Wait, no, no, <laughs> was that was that relapse? Real, I believe relapse was the first one. That was the Scottish accent. Oh no, like, that was the weird. That was the one I liked. Oh, that was the weird. That one. was okay, the weird. Okay. That the one that had um, the bagpipes one. Yeah, that, that so that was relapse. I believe. Okay, and then yes. recovery relapse, was the follow. Relapse was the weird one that I fucked with. Um, but yeah. Um, by the way, a comment said not a masterpiece. Eminem has skills, but zero bangers. Fuck your bangers. Marshall Mathers LP is a masterpiece. It is a, it, it, you walk you walk out of the studio after you make Stan, and you go whatever else we do from here on in. It's cool, but like he did things on that album that are, he's the only one who's ever done it. He's but you're not the disputing one. the fact that one could say that Stan is not technically a banger. Like Stan, not, Stan not remotely a banger. Yeah, but by the yeah. way. But if you want to have banger talk, uh, Marshall Mathers LP two has fucking bitch please two. Yeah, bitch yeah. please two is a fucking banger. I'm not saying you want to play it in the club every night. M doesn't have club hits, but right. he he has fucking bangers out there. Fuck you is a banger. Like he he's got a lot of shit. Yeah, I mean he's made his mark. Like that's, that's yeah. I think he's good. I think he's cool with it all. <laughs> I think that this Marshall Mathers guy is gonna be okay. <laughs> yeah, he'll be fine. I think we can say. All right, so uh, Rosenberg, you cleaned up on that second round. We're moving into our third, Digging in the Crates. This is our sample round, and so I am going to uh, ask you a question, play you a sample, and you'll have to answer a question about the sample that you hear. So here we go. First question. A Kanye West song from this album samples Arthur Russell's Answer Me. I'll play you that sample right now. Is it graduation, 808s and heartbreak, the life of Pablo or Jesus? Um, C, life of Pablo. It's the 24 hours. That is correct. Life of Pablo, 30 hours. Or 30 hours. I said 24. See? Hack. What I tell you? You're going to have to take some points off for that one. I'm sorry. Um, by the way, Kanye at this point was getting to the point of nearly unbearable. His release, his release schedule for this album was a fucking nightmare. He yeah. was, it was so annoying. And then the album came out and in spite of all the fuckery, the album mm. was, I mean, the first like one through 11 or so is just like fucking crazy. It's, is that, is is that the? I mean, I'm guessing you weren't super into the gospel album or the other album before that. I, yay and the gospel one musically have things that I like. Um, yeah. The song, the song "Water" 
on the gospel album I've literally wept to before. I'm, wow. like, I'm not even kidding. It's one of the most powerful songs. And it's not even, and, and I made a version for myself without him rapping on it. Because <laughs> just, I thought- Just his, to capture the his, vibe, the spirit. His elementary school gospel raps, I just didn't need. Like, I don't need to be taught Jesus Christ by someone who literally learned about it 15 minutes ago. Like that's, sure. like I could get a Kirk Franklin album and like learn if I wanted to learn I don't need Kanye to teach me that, but musically, there's good things on both of them. But to me, Life of Pablo is pre-Maga Hat. Everything yeah. changes after that. There's there's an asterisk on his life at this point, so it's just different. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's tricky. Um, all right, we're moving on to the next question in our rounds here. Beastie Boys. So what you want samples the Southside movements? I've been watching you. But which of these groups also flipped that same sample? I'm going to play you the Southside Movement uh, sample. Is it House of Pain, Atmosphere, Public Enemy, or Hieroglyphics? I'd be shocked if it's hieroglyphic sound-wise. Mm. Um, I would think, well, people are saying hieroglyphics. Wow, that's a bad call by me right away. I mean, um, if you go with I, it, you'll be shocked if it's true. I would have no, I would have no idea if it's an atmosphere song because I know like two atmosphere songs. It's fair. Um, I would think it's weird to be House of Pain because it's a Beastie Boys question. I don't know. It just seems like that would be a weird way to go. Sure. And I don't recognize it as P.E. Oh, wow. Now half the group, half the chat saying atmosphere. There's and a mutiny saying, going on right now. I'm sweating. Okay. So my answer was going to be atmosphere because it doesn't sound like a high row sample. And I don't think it's the first two. So since the okay. chat is mixed, I'll go with my original gut, which was atmosphere. He's going atmosphere. Let's hear what the answer was. I should have cued it a little bit lighter, but here we go. It's okay. Here we go. Life is the best when you know well, hieroglyphics. Pete, I mean, you, you, I don't know how I get up from this. I, it's not looking good. I gotta be honest with you. No, no. <laughs> what's that? What's that? From? Which out? What's that from? It's from the Third Eye Vision compilation album, which was the first one that they put out independently after. Oh, they I remember well. That's and uh, they shot a video make. for it. They, they, it was a Dell solo song uh, called "At the Helm." Was the name of the song. Um, if you would, if you would play the sample for "You'll Never Know," that's I would have remembered it, and that would have been it. See, he's get, he's he's appealing to our our, our sensibilities right now. He's he's, <laughs> he's not out of his high row bag. No, I I, I, just, uh, I have it, but I didn't know the song. If you know, you know. All right, let's move on to our final song. Shout out DJ Trackstar in the building. Hey, um, Trackstar. Yeah, he's been on the he show said, before. He said, he said that Dell went at Cube on that song? Uh, I guess you could infer. I guess if you told me that it was about Cube, I wouldn't be, like, shocked. But I never listened to that song and thought it was an anti-Cube song. I don't know how hard they fell out, you know, because Ice Cube was like heavily involved in Dell's first album. He, he yeah. had cousins and he kind of put them on, but then they never worked together again. So I don't know. Trackstar, if you have info that we don't know. Yeah, I would love to. I don't, I don't know that. Yeah, let's, let's, let's break some news here. I've never, really thought, I've never really thought much about how they never were involved again. It's an interesting point. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, I think maybe it could have just been that uh, Dell didn't want to do the kind of music Ice Cube was doing, but. Trackstar clearly has some info we don't know, so we might have to... He knows things. Up. Yeah, R rumor mill with DJ Trackstar. All right, final question. <laughs> Wait, now Trackstar's saying, maybe I'm wrong? I remember hearing that. <laughs> this, totally, this totally took a, a dive. He seemed very confident. All right, saxophonist Ronnie Laws' Tidal Wave has been sampled by all of these artists except for one of them. I'm going to play you the Ronnie Laws. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's A, Organized Confusion, but go ahead. All right, so what do you think? Well, I know it's Usher, Think of You. I mm -hmm. know it's Black Moon, Who Got the Props. 
Um, the thing is, I was thinking J. Cole for a second because I was thinking about the J. Cole, the other shit, um, mm. the, tri the tribe sample, the electric relaxation. All right. So then it makes me think it's actually organized and not. Hmm. See, this is what, it's really horrifying to think about the chat when people put C in the chat. That that's it's it goes to show you. That, uh, uh, guys, maybe you're not reading the question or paying attention. We're looking for who hasn't sampled it. Not the you most know, famous sample not, of it. Not the sample that it obviously is. Um, yeah, a lot of <laughs> a lot of mixed responses. Yeah, I mean, listen, they're a confident chat, but they're not always accurate. I, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> um. So it's J. Cole or organized. Mm. Oh, this is hard. Um, I mean, we had to pull out the big guns for you, Rosenberg. Like we, we, no, we knew what. Listen, this is. I'm. I'm gonna go a on the strength of the time period. Did they also use it? You're gonna play me an organized record. I'm like, what the fuck? Um. And I don't know the Cole record that used it. Right. Um. <laughs> Somebody said we are the proud, we are the stupid, we are the chat. <laughs> <laughs> well said, well said, well said. It's really, really good. Um, I'm gonna go A organized, and I know I could be wrong. All right, let's uh, let's hear a little prove out here. Hey, so we had a little glitch in the recording of this part of the episode, so I'm gonna play you the song reveals here now from the future. Well. It's going to be in the past by the time you hear it, but it's the future compared to when this classic episode was recorded. Time travel is very, very complicated. Okay, so first up, most famously, Black Moon sampled this song on Who Got the Props in 1993. In 1994, Usher sampled it on his song Think of You. And in that same year, Organized Confusion sampled Tidal Wave on their remix to Stress, featuring Large Professor. Which means J. Cole was the artist who did not sample this song. All right, let's get back to the show. I can't have this conversation with you without referencing j cole what do you what do you make of this whole j cole no name like business here like what's what, what are your thoughts on the 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 feud that's happening right now or maybe you, not happening anymore yeah usually these days i i usually go with a hard um i'm white no one cares is generally that's that's where i lean towards on a lot of these current conversations um, write that one down for me. Hold yeah, write it down. Um, yeah. As the show gets more popular, it's one you'll have to learn. I, <laughs> I don't think, listen, the truth is, I don't think Cole did anything wrong. I, I think that's what Cole does. And I think in doing it, he magnifies someone else's platform by a million times. Like, to me, questioning J. Cole in that sense, like, I just can't do it. He's always done the right thing. I, I trust him. And so... No name. She she seemed to have sort of admit this afterwards. Right. She kind of stepped back. The first thought I had was, you're you're saying you're upset that he's trying to take advantage of a moment, and exploiting it by talking about you. So you exploited that moment and put out a song yourself. Yeah. Seems like we're all doing the same thing and we're all on the same side. So yep. this doesn't seem like a thing to me. Yeah, and certainly larger issues. So let me let me spin this off into something maybe that is more appropriate. As a white man in hip hop, occupying this space, what do you think is the best way for people who look like us to be allies in in this space? This is a this is a huge fucking question. So like you know, but in your experience, and you've you've had um, you've had a unique experience in that you have grown and went through a lot, and it's all been public. You like. You, you've done a lot for the culture and like there are just as many things that I'm sure you can look back on and be like, oh, like, you know, there's there's controversies, there's things. Navigating that space is kind of crazy. So what do you think in this time, what do you think is the best thing that white people in hip hop can do as an ally? 
the thing I'm trying to do is in my time, I, when I'm on hot these days, I do a lot more listening and asking questions. Now, yeah. I will occasionally push back on Ebro on something where I'll be like, are you sure that, do you, you definitely think that's the thing there? I, occasionally, yeah. I will put, challenge him. But I generally agree with 99% of the things he says anyway. Sure. So I will echo the sentiment. But like the fact is on hot, I think my job is to be there and listen and give perspective. If I have a perspective, like I live on the Upper West Side. I've realized I don't think any black people live in my building. Right. I'm going to talk about that. And I'm going to try to do something about it, ask questions, try to get answers, report on the things that I'm hearing from white people. Right. But like what I'm going to try not to do is, is white splain to my black audience what's going on. Um, Absolutely. I've, I've done that a lot. <laughs> like I've done that. <laughs> like I really yeah. embarrassingly, like looking back on who I was in order to make it in hip hop, you have to be incredibly confident to make it as far as I did. Yeah. So there's a certain level of like, fuck you. I know what I'm talking about. Right. In retrospect, some of those moments are kind of embarrassing and sure. regretful. At the same time, I don't know that I wouldn't, that I would have made it if I didn't have that attitude about getting there. The so now I see yeah. it as like, listen, and then when I'm on my sports talk show, which has a much whiter audience, I can play a different role of actually educating people and being like, no, you need to listen to what people are saying. Here's what I'm hearing. Go listen. So I try to do that more to the white audience that I deal with. Yeah. Um, and, and with a black audience, listen a bit more and occasionally throw out my perspectives. That's, and, then, and then, you know, behind the scenes, challenge the people that you know in real life that that's yeah. the and and use your social as best you can to make people uncomfortable with a really right. hard conversation that but i'm figuring this out week by week i don't know what the fuck i'm doing i right. just i'm just trying to figure out the best way to still have a voice still be useful not overstep um but i'm walking crazy lines bro i'm walking on tight ropes all day you know because if, if i overstate a case in the morning there are people say, shut the fuck up. If right. I understate it in the morning, there are people who will say, damn, Rosenberg's certainly quiet on this subject. Sure, yeah. So, it's, it's listen, tricky. I'm not, it's, it's tricky. Um, but, 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 yeah, no, I, I totally get it. And, it, and it's, it's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, yeah. So, all, so all I gave you there, that basically is the thing. Just be completely honest and transparent about what it is. It, yes. It, it, it's, it's, we're living through in, in amazing times. I always wondered, is the, will I get to live through something important? And this is what we've seen has been horrifying, but we've been seeing these horrifying things for a long time. For a you long know? time. Like yeah. I, I lost my shit on the radio when Alton Sterling got killed. That was like when I lost my shit and hit my breaking point. And right. that was four years ago already. So like, we're now seeing real change. Like I believe real change is coming and going to continue to come. And I'm grateful that we're getting to see it. And I'm thankful for the kids younger than me, because I think they're actually showing some real fucking balls that I don't know that my generation had. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So we have a little bit of time and we still have this final round to do. So uh, Rosenberg, our final round is called Time's Up. You're going to have 90 seconds to answer five questions in a category. I'm going to give you three choices. Your choices tonight are A Tribe Called Quest remixes and rarities, sports references, or Brooklyn MCs of the last decade. You will have 90 seconds to answer five questions. So you get to pick your poison. What's it going to be? We're doing a hip-hop thing. I will do Tribe Called Quest remixes and rarities. I mean, I can right. fuck it up and embarrass myself, but I certainly know a lot of them. I think... I think uh, I think that's fair. Um, I'm pulling it up right now. Now, a uh, couple points of uh, of interest here, just to be aware of. If you don't know the answer, you can pass, and we'll go back to it. If you uh, answer wrong, that question is burnt and it's done. And you can use the chat, but again, fuck those guys. They they haven't been that great. I have They're OCs. not to be trusted. 
They're not to Hold be on. trusted. Let's go, dude. Let's do this shit right now. Oh, my God. All right, here we go. 90 seconds on the clock. Tribe Cop Quest remixes and rarities. Here is the first question. I have the cue, and we're ready to go. How many rappers appear on the Scenario remix? Um, seven in physical form. Uh, seven in... Uh, you get the idea. Yeah, yep, you're good. All Six right. in physical uh, form. Uh, 2003 promo single, I See You Doing It, features vocals from this R&B singer. Erica Badu. That is correct. All right. Uh, this singer did multiple remixes of Stressed Out on the song's maxi single. Faith Evans. Faith Evans is incorrect. The oh, Rocky Sadiq? Bjork, believe it or not. Oh, Bjork! Right. I forgot about the Bjork bullshit! Award Tour B-Side, The Chase Part 2, features one of the first recorded appearances by this rapper. Consequence. That is correct. And the, for the final question, that shit, which appeared on Funkmaster Flex's The Mixtape Volume 3, features guest vocals from this artist. Who raps on that song with Q-Tip and Fife? Um, it's produced by Dilla. Um, or is it featuring Dilla? Um, I'm going to go Dilla. Dilla is correct. All right. Peter hey. Rosenberg, you are a champion in our eyes. Um, for the record, for those who don't know, by the way, the reason this was fun to pull out, I know you know this, but is that the revised quest for the, for the what's called Season Traveler, this was yep. the Tribe Rarity album that came out. It's not even that great. Some of them are great. Some are meh. I'm it, so mad it's something I that you want to have. It, 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 was, it was good timing to pull it out. Uh, I'm going to... I'm going to go through your answers here. Uh, Peter Rosenberg, who, who do you challenge to come on the show? This is your moment, like, wrestling style to look at the camera and, and challenge who you think needs to come on the show. Well, I'm going to do two. I'll try. I'm going to think of one that would, like, actually get you views and then another one that would just be entertaining. Um, We're into both. If, if you've watched our show, we go for the views. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> for the fun one, I, I'm going to tell you to have my brother on, who's tremendous, Nick Rosenberg. My brother will go head-to-head -head with anybody on hip-hop trivia, and he'd be great. Um, for someone who just straight up knows the raps, um, is there anyone in my world that you think is interesting, that, you're, that you think I should think? Where should I be thinking? I mean, your world is pretty big, uh, Peter, but uh, I would say, I mean... Oh, I got a good one. Tell me. Bomani Jones. Bomani Jones, yeah. How about that? How about Bomani? I think that would be a really good one. That's awesome. Yeah, we would love to have Bomani on the show. And he know and he knows his shit. I'll 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 challenge Bomani. Uh so Rosenberg, uh you got twelve out of fifteen correct, which puts you in our upper echelon for sure. I we're creating a league scoreboard here, but uh you're not quite at the top. You saw that Fonte the other day was a little bit closer. But, 14, uh, man. An amazing, an amazing job. And you definitely had some of the best stories that we've had on the show. Um, <laughs> Thank you. And, uh, you know, we're, we're working on a few other platforms and formats where we can put people head to head. We would love to have you back if you're interested. Um, you know, Ab uh, absolutely. We, we should definitely have a conversation sometime about the show. And it's it, if you're like a hip hop nerd, it's such an enjoyable way to, like, spend an hour. Yeah. Um, you know, especially that's especially these of, times right now, especially <laughs> like, right now, which could last yeah. for the foreseeable future. Um, yeah. It's it's considerably more authentically hip hop than my former hip hop game show, Hip Hop Squares, which I've had a lot of talks with people, which they immediately reference that, and I'm always like, that was cool, but I don't know if that and this are the same. Thing. It's not the same thing at all. Um, it, if by that you mean it takes hours and hours and hours, and the questions are like, do you know the difference between Eve and Queen Latifah? <laughs> like. Uh, this I is think I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, you got it. So, yeah, uh, the world of television is, is a little different and challenging. No, sure. this was awesome, though. Thank you, man. I appreciate having me. Thank you so much. Peter Rosenberg, everybody, uh, have a great night, and uh, we'll, we'll see you real soon. Yeah, and, and for anyone here who's one of my followers, make sure you follow the questions hip hop and keep supporting the game. Thank um, you thanks, so dude. much. Peace, y'all. man. Later. Peace. Great episode. Big thanks once again to Peter Rosenberg for appearing on the program. Definitely make sure you listen to Juan Epa's life. And from there, if you're not doing so already, you can kind of find out about all the other things that Rosenberg has cooking at the moment. I feel like I want to have him back. 
at some point onto the show. I've actually considered maybe, you know, doing a Juan Epp showdown where he and Cypher Sounds go head to head. Might be fun, right? I should I should reach out and, and follow up on that. Thanks once again go out to the Questions Patreon and to everybody who has helped support the show since its start. Join the Patreon. Hit the link in the show notes. The Questions theme song is by Midas the Beast and Zarism. The Questions is a member of the Stony Island Audio Network. And if you don't know what that means, go check out all the other amazing shows in our crew. I'm talking about Dad Bod Rap Pod, Secret Skin, Super Duty Tough Work, Creativity and Captivity, The Raw Report, and older shows like my other podcast, Can Knock the Shuffle, and Open Mike Eagles, What It Happened Was. We will be back next week with some brand new goodness, so be on the lookout for that. Until then, peace. Stony Island Audio.